Look, as I was leaving school, uh, one of my teachers said to me, you'll never make a career out of playing with speakers and lights. You should do more sport and do more sociable things. And here I am. I'm not going to... I was someone asked me last night, what was it, 23 years now? Uh, something like that, of playing with speakers and lights. And <laughs> I was just there, you know, um, watching a what at the time was a very busy diary in the UK, very busy diary in our Middle East branch. Beginning of March, we did the last event in the Middle East, uh, I think 4th, 5th of March, and then just watched the diary. Like someone just took a broom and cleared it. About two weeks later, UK off, and it was like it's we've got the company on track. We're doing well. We're profitability is way back up. We've streamlined the business model, and we are yeah we're on our way. And then boom, I thought you know what? I'm not going to have come through all of that to be knocked out by a small thing like a global pandemic. What people see of events. The glitz and glam bits, the fantastic show, being in the audience, yeah, it's great. That makes up about 15% of the work. That that gig you go to makes up about 15% of the work because the tech team and the crew have been there for 18 hours before you turn up. They've probably got a good 10 hours after you finish. And everything from, you know, one man and his dog in the Prince of Wales strumming his guitar at the 15 people to 30,000 people on Brighton Seafront. <laughs> so it's not all the lovely lights and sound. Yeah, this is great. There's a lot of it's four o'clock in the morning. Why am I standing here and then unloading a truck in the dark and what's going on? You know, it's it's not all the the, the lovely glitz and glam that you get to see, and not all the as I say, not all the jobs are like that. So I've fat boy sitting on Brighton Beach. Um, I did a private uh, party for the launch of GQ Men's Fashion Week at Elton John's house. I couldn't have told you 18 months ago that I would have half the clients that we currently have, you know, rolling off to you names like TikTok, Spotify, I would have never imagined in a million years I'd be doing that. But then again, half the stuff we've done in the last 20 years, I'd never imagined we'd do. So I'm just kind of, you know, what does the future hold? I believe everyone has a story to tell through seeking true authentic insights about the entrepreneurial journey i provide a platform for our peers to share their stories and inspire those that listen this is the county business talks podcast produced by h2 productions <laughs> good, morning. Is. <laughs> good morning it is morning <laughs> how are you sir well, for both of us <laughs> yeah, I'm not too bad. How are you? Sounding a little bit hoarse. Are you keeping up with your lemon and your warm water? I've got, I've got, I've got plenty of water. But, um, I need some of them whole suits. Warm. Relax yeah, those yeah. vocal cords, my friend. <laughs> Mate, this is um, look, this is epic to have you on here. I can't. We we spoke about it before you went out and thinking that uh, you're going to be producing this and running it. I'm going to come on the episode and be in a different country. I love it. Well, because, yeah, I didn't have enough to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Since you've got to know me, is this not what we do? I just go, mine. are you all right to just, uh, mate, can you just do that for me? Can you just jump in there? And I just go, yeah, it's all right. I'll just, I'll, I'll add it on the list. It's fine. It's not a problem. Yeah, it is. You're a legend, mate. Listen, thank you. I know how busy you are. I really appreciate it. All that you and the team here have done has been has blown me away. I'm not going to lie; it's been absolutely perfection. They have been absolute heroes, um, and it's been great to, to to do it. And we've we're we're almost on time as well. I've caught up a little bit. We run a little bit behind because I can't stop chatting to people, as you know. But um, but we're, we're we're back on schedule, so we're we're, we're winning. So look, mate, let, let's kick off. Let's kick off with this episode. Tell listeners a little bit about your story and your career. <laughs> my story and my career. Well, um, I suppose it all started with my dad. It's all his fault. Um, so my dad was a, a DJ and ran local clubs. And I can remember going out with him as a nipper and helping set 
you know, all his cat up when he was DJing and thinking, this is quite fun. This is interesting. You know, putting stuff together and makes these lights work and makes these speakers work and kind of got a bit of a bug from there. Um, and then, yeah, when I was 14, I think, started as a Saturday job uh, in a hire company in Brighton. And kind of from there, it just sort of snowballed into wanting to get into, um, you know, into more into the tech and more into events and other things and sort of work through and, you know, uh, freelanced, worked in a few uh, couple of venues in town, um, worked for other people, decided, I don't like the way that you're doing this or the way, um, you know, you're delivering this or the way your, your attitude to doing this is, and I don't like that. Um, well, I'm going to go and do it for myself and do it how I want it to be done and how it should be done. So I set up on my own, um, was then working alongside how, how was an old customer of mine. How old was you then when you Sorry? set up on, on your, how old was you then when you set up on your, uh, 18, 19. I mean, wow. I was, you know, <laughs> dare I say again, following in my dad's footsteps, I was DJing from 15, 16, um you know my first couple of years of gigs were all had to be coincided with when my parents were around so they could do all the driving to bring me back and forth um and then yeah kind of went off and got more kit and got bigger and was uh yeah working alongside an old customer of mine um and then we kind of went we're kind of doing the same thing but in sort of different parts of the industry let's do it together so we merged the companies together and yeah it's been h2 ever since and here we are many many years later as you can tell from my haggard looking face <laughs> and having people like me going jump on a jump on a podcast at, at silly o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> this is probably one of the less crazy things i've done to be honest yeah yeah mate we're gonna delve into that i want to i want to talk a little bit because we we spoke offline before you mentioned that sort of during during your education some of the teachers alluded to the fact that you'd never make a career out of messing around with cameras and and i'm keen to i'm keen to touch on like what, what your thoughts are around the education system at the moment what 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 do you think about that because teachers have such a can have such a impact on kids talk, talk to me a little bit about that yeah, well, I kind of, it, it stuck with me at the time and it stuck in my craw for a long time and I saw it as a kind of put down and someone said to me not that long ago that um, maybe actually I should turn it on its head and see it, that it was a motivational factor. I kind of mm. don't want to agree that they're right, but I can kind of see their point. And it was that, you know, as I was leaving school, uh, one of my teachers said to me, you'll never make a career out of playing with speakers and lights. You should do more sport and do more sociable things. And here I am. I'm not going to, was, uh, was someone asked me last night, what was it? 23 years now, uh, something like that of playing with speakers and lights. And when that career <laughs> takes off, I'll let you know, Mr. Lloyd. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I think it's, it's tough. You know, teachers are, um, Teachers are given a lot of, uh, a huge amount to do with not a lot of resource, not a lot of time. But at the same time, the system that they're working in is very linear and rigid. Um, I don't think that there's enough support and creativity on practical skills and, um, you know, developing that side of things. It's not, it's very kind of, academia and grades and you must achieve these targets why some of the most fantastic people i work with in this industry is one guy he's one of the best installation engineers i know hands down his sum total of his qualifications was a b at gce in theater studies sorry a d at gce in theater studies from 30 years ago you know, that's the sum total of his academic qualifications. And there is so much that co could be taught or could be supported, but isn't. Um, and there's all, you know, his academia is not to put, you know, be derogatory, but it's non, non-existent, but his yeah. skill and practical knowledge is phenomenal. Um, and there's just, there isn't the, the nurture and the support for that. I get so many CVs and applications for people wanting jobs. 
and I have two piles. There's a pile of people that I went to school, I went to college, I went to university, I've done this and I've done that, and I've got this degree and that degree. And goes, that's fantastic. So what time have you actually put into doing the job that you want to do? How have you been out and put these skills into practice? How have you actually applied them to the industry you want to work in? Well, I haven't. And then you get person B. Well, yeah, I did go to school and I did a bit of this and I went to college and did that. But when I was leaving school, I got this happy job here. Or I volunteered and I would, you know, work on these shows here with these people for free. And then I got work experience with this person. Then I went out and volunteered on this festival, on this event, da 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 da. Well, you've got 10 years of experience over this person who's got 10 years of education. And the person I want to employ is this person because they've gone out and they've put those skills into practice and they've learned practically there's so much you can read in a book and yes i'm not saying that you shouldn't go to school or to university or to college but it's there isn't the opportunity to put those skills and, and apply them and actually go out and practice them because this one thing learning it and reading it in a book and passing an exam and doing a test there's a one very different thing going out and putting it into practice and actually being able to go yeah you know what i know what that means or actually i know how you need to change that bec because when you're actually trying to do it it means this um and we have you know when i'm employing people looking to employ people i have what i call my apollo 13 challenge remember apollo 13 and they, they're on the spaceship and tom hanks <laughs> they've got to get the uh, square co2 filters into the round hole on the spaceship and these are the things you've got to do it and make it happen it's kind of the same principle in the technical side of events you're out in a field mm. at a festival. All you've got with you is, you know, what came on the truck. You've got a problem. That's what you've got to fix it. You know, you can't nip back to the warehouse. Maplins doesn't exist anymore. You can't go down the road and buy something. That's what you've got. There's your problem. You've got to fix it because audiences, when you turn around and go, oh, I forgot one of those who can't have a show, isn't going to accept that. Client isn't going to accept, no, oh, I forgot that and we can't do it. Client wants, an audience wants a show. They want an event make it happen um, yeah mate, we, we we share i think we share very similar views about i know we've again we spoke offline a little bit about it so but uh, certainly for me exactly that the practical skills life skills actually again I, I'm, I'm not bad mouthing the education i'm not saying that it you know it, it's i just think the way that certain people will not engage in that way and uh, uh academically so they need to that needs to be viewed in it or they need to engage them children in, in a different way whatever that looks like and and because we're measured on the, the success of a, a child is there what results they get in that exam that they've not you know they, they've not found out about i just I, I i really struggle with it i really struggle with that side of it but for me it's also about how you apply knowledge i mean i mm. hate to admit that some of my teachers were right you know all those things we used to do at school that you used to not you know oh, i'm never going to use this i'm never going to use this when we're designing stages or sets or this and the other when i have to use trigonometry every time i do it oh, i said i'd never use this at school and i've got to do that science calculations the physics when we're doing you know speaker or lighting calculations or power calculations you're using physics using I said I'd never use this in school and here I am trying to remember how to do it and having to Google what the equation was because I couldn't remember it because at the time I was going, oh, I'm never going to use this. And it's taking that, actually, you know, practically applying that, um, those learnings, that academic knowledge and actually putting it into real world scenarios. You know, it, for me, it would have helped make my education a lot better because actually I'd have probably <laughs> sat up more in class and been more interested because yeah. they're oh yeah because i'm going to need that to do that and i'm not saying they have to come up with a solution for everybody but it's making uh, the subject matter more relatable you know yeah. as with anything if you're more interested in something you're going to absorb more you're going to engage with it more so when yeah. it's just when it's not that easy to engage or link in with the, whatever you're doing you're not going to take it in i think that's that's one of the, the things i see as a there's a struggle. I mean, I was, what was I, you know, 14, 15, leaving secondary school, you know, working in, you know, well, working sort of in theatre, doing the, the school productions, thinking, well, I could make a job out of this, but how? And there was no answer. 
you know, at the time there was no one that would say to me, well, yeah, you can go and do this and the other, but also there, there weren't those courses available. And even now, um, you know, there's a, there's, you kind of wait until it's 17, 18 of, I'm should be going into a levels. Oh, well, I'm going to go to BIM and we're going to learn this. Or I'm going to go to uh, the Met and I'm going to learn that. And there are some opportunities, but there's not as many opportunities as there could be, but there's also, it's only when you get to 15, 16 and not nine times out of 10, it's unless you've got a music teacher that goes, well, you can go here and do this or um, a, a decent, you know, theater or drama teacher that goes, well, you could do that. There's not a lot of access to, you know, secondary school kids to go, look, you want to come and work in this, that's absolutely fine. What you should be doing is going and doing these A-levels. If you want to get the academic bits behind you, if you want to go and do the practical knowledge and, and technical <laughs> knowledge, you can go here, you can go here. And then from there, you can get your access to X, Y, and Z. I was you know, trying to work out what to do. I finished secondary school. I did what everyone else did. Well, I, I applied to Basvik because that's what everyone else does, right? That's where everyone goes. <laughs> um, well, I'll go to Basvik. Uh, what should I do? Uh, I don't know. I'll do business studies and I'll do media. That seems like things I should do, right? Um, went through and did them and finished my first year. And I was kind of like, I got a year to think about what I do next. And I don't really know where I go from here. And I was speaking to some colleagues at the time and, you know, this was 2003 and I'm going, well, what, what do I do to get into this industry? What should I do? And a um, very good friend of mine just said to me, Go and do your electrical installation certificate. Go and become an electrician because everything we do comes down to wires. You're an electrician. You're qualified to work with wires. And if the events thing doesn't work out, you're an electrician. You're fine. And that was it. <laughs> so I left Scott College doing my A levels. And, you know, my tutor was very, uh, right, how's your college? How's your university application coming on? What have we got to do? What have you got to do? I was like, no, that's no, all, it's all fine. Well, you must need something for where you've got to go. What do you need? I said, well, I need to not be colorblind and I need a C in English and maths at GCSE level. She kind of looked at the paperwork, looked at me, and I could see the cogs in her head going, all these other uni applications and this is one less person I've got to deal with. You're fine. You carry on then. You go and do you. All the best. And I went and did an apprenticeship and I was, I was the only person on my course that was... Uh, <laughs> What was I? I was I was in with uh, kids that I went to secondary school with, but I was two years older, and um, I was the only person that was self-employed. So I'm trying to go to lessons at the same time as oh, I've got to run off and go and sort this show out, or oh, I've got a generator that's just failed down the road at Brighton Festival. I'm going to have to duck out of this lesson and go and sort that and come back. And I was the only person that got all the way through the course that was self-employed. All the rest of them were, you know, working for Dad's mate or this company or there was about three, you know, big local electrical firms. Um, and I was the only one that was, yeah, a self-employed and b uh, working in a very different industry. Love that. Love that. Look, I want to, um, I want to jump on because I want to, I wanted to talk about look, running a production company. Obviously, you like to talk about hosted events as as you have for me today, and other large-scale events, festivals, and talk to me about March twenty twenty. What's your mindset? Uh, uh, at that moment when when the pandemic strikes um former Coley Culkin with a lot more seriousness <laughs> it was <laughs> I was just there you know wow. um watching a what at the time was a very busy diary in the UK very busy diary in our Middle East branch Beginning of March, we did the last event in the Middle East, uh, I think fourth, fifth of March, and then just watched the diary. Like someone just took a broom and cleared it. Then about two weeks later, UK, boff. So kind of, okay. So my business partner and I furloughed ourselves. Right, let's regroup. Let's work out what on earth we do. Because, yeah, if people can't come together. We've kind of not got much of anything we can do um mm. and we were very fortunate we had a lot of installation projects on one of them being the room that you're sat in right now and the rest of the building um we oh, had a few other bits and bobs <laughs> yeah exactly uh so mm. that and we had a few other bits and bobs and it's like well okay this is going to carry us through for then and it's going to be a couple of months right it's going to be you know six weeks eight weeks we should be fine and time goes on 
and it's not six, eight weeks. And okay, well, we've still got this and we've still got that. And let's keep looking into grant applications and let's see what we support. And okay, we keep going, it becomes six months and virtual work <coughs> is coming in, getting busier. And I'm starting to see these other companies disappearing. Big companies, you know, industry names that have been around for twice as long as we have. And I'm getting notifications of liquidations and links to auctions to buy their kit. I'm thinking, they're not here, but we're still here. What have I missed? And I'm not going to lie, there was a lot of insomnia. There was a lot of sleepless nights, a lot of panic of, yeah. we're still here, but how are we still here? And what have I missed? Is there a bill or something I've missed? Is there a tax or something we haven't paid? How are we doing this? Um, and, you know, people were saying, well, we should, you know, you should be happy at that fact. And I'm like, yes, but, you know, we would typically be planning six, eight months in advance. We were working six, eight weeks ahead. So, yes, I'm busy right now, but in six weeks, it stops. That's it. There's nothing. But then in two weeks' time, more stuff comes in and six weeks and then gets busier. And it was just kind of, I was like this, you know, wait and check, open the emails, come on, please, please have some more stuff and working with customers who are going, great, well, we love that one and we're going to do this. Or either we've got that and we're going to do that. Or customers going, well, we're, we're preparing for people coming back and we need, you know, new this in and we want to have that. Great, okay, this stuff's still coming in. And then end of 2020, beginning of 2021, people are looking ahead and going, right, okay, well, we're going to try and do this this summer. We're going to try and do that. And it started to get busy. I was like, okay, so this is happening. Fantastic. Um, and then summer of 2021, we're all coming out. We're getting back together. We're doing things. And we're really busy. And it was great. And we went from the end of 2020 where I was, you know, we were looking at some investments in some um, new kit, or new kit to us, we were looking at some investments in secondhand, um, you know, deals and packages that we'd, we'd looked at. Fast forward to the end of 2021, and I'm doing things I've, I didn't think in, you know, 10 years I'd be doing, where in the last year alone, we've spent nearly, we've reinvested nearly half a million pounds in brand new stock because of the work demand and because of the uh, being fortunate enough that we've got the finance and the money there to do it. You know, I was ordering a brand new trailer stage. I was ordering brand new lighting, brand new speaker systems. Okay. How did I go from two years ago, nearly buying a secondhand kit and having to cancel it because of a pandemic to going and buying a brand new system that I didn't think in 20 years I'd be doing, let alone, you know, this year, Okay, well, let's just keep going. Let's just keep head down and keep this happening. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's still, I still have I the old sleep this night. Thinking, you know, it's still not certain, but here we are. But a couple of things in one, one, I want to know that was there ever a period, like you said, when you looked today, you went, we've only got installations in, there's no work. And what was there ever a point of thinking? And you're seeing the other companies close up that you go was there that, that point where you went actually this might be the end for us what, what did that did that go through your mind it did part of me a little part of me went okay well it's keep you know it was kind of like well we could kick down if we start sending off these bits and that bits but that's not going to keep us going very long so realistically this could be it but then a bigger part of me was kind of going you know what everything we fought through in the last however many years the things the ups and the downs particularly the downs the stuff i've fought through come back from the problems we've had we kind of ended 2019 we just got we just got through and sort of finally cleared out all the problems we've been through resolved all of the, the financial problems left behind by bad customers, <coughs> bad business partners, whatever. And it was like, it's, we've, we've got the company on track. We're 
doing well. We're, profitability is way back up. We've streamlined the business model and we are, yeah, we're on our way. And then boom, I thought, you know what? I'm not going to have come through all of that to be knocked out by a small thing like a global pandemic. <laughs> of course, of course. Did you not have? Did you not have global pandemic in your in in your strategy plan, just in case? I did. Yeah, it was somewhere around the bottom <laughs> of page two thousand and whatever. Um, yeah, just yeah, it meant all it was. <laughs> Talk to me then. But also from the online event, the way obviously technology moved and and what look you've done an amazing job one with what we're doing now but you know on the on the other stuff we work together on bbbc with hybrid events and and online events did did obviously the online stuff how did that obviously change for you as well like i mean so we've done virtual events with partners for quite a long time it's people seem to think that you know, come 2020, people seem to think they'd have this brainwave and go, oh, we'll do events online. No one's ever done that. They have. <laughs> Sorry to yeah, burst your yeah. bubble, but it's not a new thing. Yeah. However, because of what technology was available and how it had to be done, before it was inherently a lot more expensive because, you know, we didn't all used to carry a, a portable studio in our pocket. You know, I can... Yeah. I, I could just press the button and go live now, but I won't do that. Um, not that anyone else <laughs> has watched mine. But, you know, yeah. it's that much more accessible, whereas it used to be a lot less accessible. So it was typically bigger clients with a lot deeper that were doing these kind of things because they had, you know, big international organizations where we've got to do a big net, you know, we've got to do a big event that is company wide. We can't practically bring everyone to one place, but. Yeah. We can do a webinar from here. So it was big pharmaceutical clients and things like that who could afford it. I mean, one of them has their own um, uh, studios in one of their offices in London. Broadcast from yeah. there. Um, so it was, it wasn't that it did, it, but technology, I mean, in our world, technology changes quite quickly. You know, when I first started, it was analog sound desks and lots of cables and old school lights and this, that and the other. And now everything's LED and digital and moves and it's lightweight. And, you know, what used to be four van loads of kit is now half a van load and done. Um, so I'm, we're used to seeing technology change and pick up really quickly. And it was just more about how quickly people had jumped onto the tech and right let's do this, let's do that, let's do the other. Uh, and then actually now it becomes more of the fact that we're trying to keep up with customers coming up with ideas or what they're wanting to do. Um, you know, for yeah. us, it was always kind of a, in, typically in events pre-2020, it was always that every event was trying to, people wanted to do more or do things more flashy. It's like, since, you know, like sort of X Factor and things, all the conferences and shows you do, oh well i saw this on saturday night and that looked really good we want to do that this is a pharmaceutical conference and you want it to look like rita aurora's coming on stage i don't <laughs> why okay if that's what you really want then fine um but you know it's people people are seeing and interacting with that technology and going oh this looks fantastic oh, this is great all right let's do this to the point where we're then doing virtual events and the client, you know, I've got one agency coming to me and going, right, yeah, no, great. So the client signed off on doing this. Okay. And how are you planning on we doing this? Because that doesn't exist. Ah, well, we've sold it to the client. So can you make it exist? Right. Okay. Give me like 72 hours, you know, and we're having to develop things and work up things and go, where is it used to be? Here's my problem, right, the tool for it. Now, now are going, I've created this game. Okay, uh, how do I use the tools to make that work? <laughs> so, <laughs> which is great, because it's what I love about what we do. You know, it's not, it's not a nine to five. It's not a going in and doing the same thing. It's, I, you know, I'm here in Singapore doing another event, but it's different to other events, and, and it's in Singapore. Um, but it's, you know, it's never the same thing day in, day out. And you've always got a new challenge or a new problem. It's, oh, okay, so how do I make that do that? And how can I do this with this? And you're always using the same bit of kit, 10 different ways every, every other week. And it's fantastic. 
that's what was brilliant. Like, coming in and saying to you, look, man, I want to, I want to achieve this. This is what I want to try and do with this tournament. And uh, you, you've taken, uh, how, I'm not quite sure, but you've taken the vision I had in my head of how I wanted to achieve and just made this whole thing possible. And you're in another country. <laughs> and yet you organised it all, everything last year, there's one, it's mate, gold. Absolutely well, that's gold. a lot of the thing with customers. It's they come to you and go, I wanted to blur and yeah. blur is that much of the job brief and the job brief is that yeah. or what you need to deliver is that and the job brief is there because <laughs> they don't know how to fill in that or you need to expand their vision and see that so they go i want to do x okay well we can do that or we could do that what if you did this and what if you change that and what if you did a oh Oh yeah, that sounds good. Oh no, that's great. And you have to develop that idea. And it's because a lot of the time it's, you know, clients go, oh, in my in my mind, I can say, oh, the dream is this. It's like, right, okay, well, let's take the dream. Let's take what's available, the resources, and you know, let's not beat around the bush, the budget, and let's see how how close we get to this dream with what's available. Or how how do we make this dream happen? Yeah. And and that's what we do. You know, that's how we work with clients. It's it's not a it's not about well we can do X or Y or Z and that's it. Here's a shopping list, go and pick it. If it's not on there, it doesn't exist. It's right. What do you want to do? We'll work out how we can do it or the best way possible we can do it for what's available and what you've got available. And and that's it, because at the end of the day you can't just tell a client and go, No, you can't do that. Yeah. No. Because that, you print, that, that, response, that lack of flexibility, they're going to go yeah. to someone else. But then is that is that why then all the, a lot of them companies that are fouled around you during the pandemic, that they've gone, you're still here. Things like that, maybe. I'm, I'm, no, I think that is, that is more down to um, the sheer scale and it's down to, you know, at that scale, at that size, your overheads are huge, but equally, they always ran very. Yes, they were profitable, but the profitability wasn't wasn't enough, and there wasn't enough cash in the bank to. Yeah, it's great. You've got a lovely warehouse full of brand new kit every six months because you sell it off and rebuy it and sell it off and rebuy it. But now, I was buying half of your stuff for liquidation, and you've all got to do new job somewhere else, and it doesn't say that company name over the door anymore. It says someone else's, whereas still says h2 on the door we're still here you know it's not to be smug it's we were fortunate that our business model and the way we were set up at the time and also the work we'd done leading up to 2019 you know that was yeah. the big thing is that we'd put a lot of work in and cleared out a lot of the dross and everything else sorted out the you know, financial problems as i said we've been left with with the yeah. customers that had you know Bad, bad debts that we'd accrued through customers not paying their bills. We had, you know, we'd got come through probably nearly two hundred thousand pounds worth of bad debt. Yeah. Cleared that out, recovered from that, and got some money in the bank. So we came into twenty twenty with a bit of a cash reserve, with some work in the pipeline that could still go ahead because thankfully installation work was classed as construction, so we can still go out because I'm <laughs> put me high vis on. I'm in construction. <laughs> I can go out and work. Um, <laughs> Hats. and oh yeah of course you know hard hats high you know high vis steel toe boots i mean that's typical anyway but you know it's kind of like <laughs> normally we're no i'm not a builder no no this week i'm a builder trust me i'm a builder if it's going to get me paid i'm a builder um <laughs> but yeah you know um we were fortunate that that's what saw us through but it's um yeah it's that i think because of because of the scale we are it's what i say to people what i say to customers is we are Big enough to cope, but small enough to care. Yeah. We're at that agile point where we can, um, you know, kind of duck and weave. We can be flexible and work with what you need to do, um, but you're not going to get a massive bill at the end of it. And we're still big enough to be able to do some of these projects. And we've had some, you know, fantastic opportunities over the over the years. I mean, it's, you know, they're not all a-list rock and roll shows or you know the biggest farmer or biggest conferences or whatever in the world or the biggest theater shows in the world but doesn't make them any less important or any less valuable you know um talk to me about that let's, let's, let, let, let's let's talk about that you're talking about celebrities and stuff like you you have worked like they're not always like that but you have worked on some 
amazing productions. And you, you've obviously dropped a few names to me that you, you, you've, you've worked with over the years. So, mate, let, well, I couldn't let you get away with not, not sharing some of those stories with me. Talk to me about... <laughs> Yeah, talk, talk to me about something. So, yeah, I mean, we are, and these these are the moments, um, you know, asterisks, very critical point. Not all of the moments are these. Um, one of the things I say to people who are like, yeah, I want to get into events. What people see of events, the glitz and glam bits, the fantastic show, being in the audience, yeah, it's great. That makes up about 15% of the work. That, that gig you go to makes up about 15% of the work because the tech team and the crew have been there for 18 hours before you turn up. They've probably got a good 10 hours after you finish. <laughs> so it is not all the lovely lights and sound. Yeah, this is great. There's a lot of four o'clock in the morning. Why am I standing here and then unloading a truck in the dark and what's going on? You know, it's, it's not all... The, the, the lovely glitz and glam that you get to see. And not all the, as I say, not all the jobs are like that. So I've done everything from, you know, one man and his dog in a Prince of Wales strumming his guitar to 15 people to 30,000 people on Brighton Seafront, you know. And, and it's just, and it's those moments that it's not that this, the other ones up, but it's some of those key moments where I kind of stand there and take a little mental image and go, yeah, yeah, Mr. Lacey, yeah. Never making a career out of speak, speakers and lights and here I am doing this. And, yeah, as I say, we've been very fortunate. So, um, I mean, I, I did make a little list because I can never remember them all off and, you know, skip over some. Um, but, I mean, I've got so many fantastic memories. I mean, from, from home turf things like um, Big Beach Boutique 4, Norman's last uh, gig on Brighton Seafront, uh, or his last big gig on Brighton Seafront, should I say. We did the PA for it. You know, I spent a week on Brighton Seafront on what in September, where I was expecting to get very wet. I ended up spending a week in t-shirt and shorts on Brighton Seafront, doing a fantastic gig. Uh, and then, you know, I'm stood four foot from, from Norman on stage, looking out at 30,000 people on Brighton Seafront going, yeah, this is why I do what I do. Um, uh, do you, yeah, so it's done. Their, their moments, do you allow themself their moments? Uh, I spoke to other people who've been involved in events or whatever, but you have that wow moment almost where you're involved in something and you set it up and you stand back and you go, wow, yeah, I've, I've helped. Seven. I think I go, there's a wow moment, but it's kind of a, there's, there's two things I think. There's one thing it's like, part of it, it's, got, it's a bit of self-pride of like, without what I've done, this doesn't happen. And you guys have absolutely no real concept of that. But, you know, without me coming to put a PA system in, this isn't happening. Or without me coming to put in the stage in, without me doing this, that, the other, it doesn't happen. And the audience have absolutely no concept of that. But I'm sitting there kind of going, yeah, okay. And watching audience reactions and watching, you know, and I can remember there was a particular moment where um, I had to make some changes on site at Fatboy Slim. And it was, you know, we turned a bit of the PA system up in one point. And I was up on the balcony on Madeira Drive and literally there must have been about four or 5,000 people in this cluster in front of me. And they all suddenly looked up and cheered. And I was like, you have no idea who I am, but you have no idea how good that makes me feel. You know, it was like, it was that appreciation. It's, and it's not always direct appreciation, but it's that appreciation and it's seeing audiences, seeing audiences coming out of their, coming out of a gig with a smile on their face or seeing people walking away from a conference, you know, really engaged and talking because of what they've just seen and experienced. And it's like, I've helped, you know, nurture that. I've helped give that to those people. And that's, you know, that's kind of what makes the 13 hour flights uh, with no sleep worth it. And, you know, uh, getting up at two in the morning and finishing at, you know, three o'clock the next morning or, you know, starting at nine o'clock in the morning on one job, coming home, showering and changing, and then coming out and running a network event. Who would do something stupid like that, right? Um, yeah, you want to bin that network and turn off. <laughs> yeah, no, exactly. But uh, no, I mean, yeah, as I say, so we've, we're, it's it's kind of, it's, that was the caveat of, it's not all the glitz and glam. However, we have had a lot of um, very good ex opportunities where I kind of stand there and take these gigs and I go, you know, we're not a big, we're not one of these big, big nationwide names. How have we landed a job like this? And it's, as I say, it's, you know, Fatboy Slim on Brighton Beach. Um, I did a, 
private uh, party for the launch of GQ Men's Fashion Week at Elton John's house. Um, I've worked with, we did, wow. we used to do a lot of cooking demos. So I've worked with Mary Berry, Gino DeCampo, James Martin, uh, Paul Hollywood, um, <laughs> and you know, so many more. Um, we've done virtual events for some, some huge brands, you know, uh, TikTok for business, Adidas golf, Spotify, um, AXA, corn foods, um, customers who are still current customers, <laughs> um, you know, whether it's uh, Macy Gray in Leicester Theatre, Jesse J in Greenwich Park, Blue Man Group at um, Big Chill Festival. Um, yeah, there is a, when I start to think about them, a long list of fantastic opportunities and fantastic jobs that I've worked on where at the time I kind of sit there and go, okay, one, mental picture, when I see that teacher. Remember that career I've still never had out of speakers and lights. Here's, here's me with this person. Here's me at Elton John's house. Here's me here. Um, but it's like these moments don't come around often and they're not probably not going to come around again and just appreciate them while they're here. And yeah, as I say, we've been, we've been very fortunate that there have been yeah. some really good jobs. I love that. I, look, I just, just as we're coming to the end. So I'll, before we do the quick fire questions, one thing I want to talk to you about is, uh, again, something I'll talk about on the podcast a lot, um, about work life balance. And I know obviously you've got a young family with the, just the nature of your, your business at, what does that look like to you? What, what, work life balance? Um, it's not balanced. <laughs> um, I've, I've made a note here because you sent me the questions through and you said, how do, how do you manage your work-life balance? Badly. Um, <laughs> it's you and me both, it's so. not a nine to five job. Um, I don't get to pick when people have events and where people have events. The client says, we're doing this here. We want you to do this. I don't get to say no. Well, I can say no, but it doesn't put a lot of money in the bank and doesn't put food on the table. Um, so yeah, it's, I mean, it is something I'm working hard to readdress, uh, but I'm not going to lie. Uh, I have a nine month old I've seen grow up more on WhatsApp this year than I have in person, um, uh, which is not easy. And I mean, it's, I have to, I have to give a shout out to my fantastic wife, Sarah, who, um, is so supportive, um, uh, not just the kids with, with, with me and my health and so understanding. And she has been for over 20 years. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not easy to manage, uh, a good work-life balance. Um, as I say, I'm trying to redress it, but it's, it's trying to make the most of the, the time I get when I can take it. Mm. Um, and thankfully, you know, thanks to things like WhatsApp and FaceTime and things, it's, that's how I can stay connected with home when I'm mm. not there. Um, I mean, tough, it's, it's tough because it's well so as i said my dad worked in in clubs and he worked in uh you know djing in brighton he was a bit of a local name at the time um and i can remember you know dad being at work dad was at work a lot of the time i would go to work with dad um yeah. uh, and because it was it was it was, wasn't a nine to five job you know dad was coming home at four five six o'clock in the morning um and then he'd be asleep and crashed out and might get a lift to school and then you'll be off to work again. So whilst I understand it and know that it's the nature of the beast, my six month, uh, my six year old, you know, doesn't fully grasp that. Um, and it's, you know, as, as the old tank goes, you don't get the time back. So mm -hmm. it's trying to make as much of as many experiences and trying to do as much as I can when I can, because I know that there's often times when I can't. Mate, fair play to you. And I, look, I, I, I can I ask that question again. I, I always do because it's something I, I struggle with. Me and you again spoke about it a little bit offline, and you, you do something that you love doing. You run your own business, so that that comes with its own challenges. But I guess especially with just just purely by the nature of what you do, um, that's going to be pulling you. Like, you do it globally, so you go over in the Middle East. You're going to have to be away from home, and I, I can appreciate tough days and i guess the one thing i've learned from you know not just today with all the podcasts but the podcast in general is that doesn't actually necessarily mean work-life balance doesn't necessarily mean you've got to work 
nine to five and then be at home the rest of the time. Work-life balance is what works for you as an individual. And I think, you know, doing a job you love and building a business like you have is great. As long as that, that time that you are with them, you're as present as possible. That's the key for, for me. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to look at my, my, with myself as much as I talk about with you. But it's the, it, whether that time's two hours a week or 20 hours a week, as long as that those hours that you're with them, you're present. That, you know, there's yeah. other ways that you can build connections with them. Yeah. I mean, as I say, it's it, it comes down massively to my wife because it's, uh, as you know, my health isn't the greatest and I have my challenges. Uh, so it does often mean that, you know, when I've been really busy at work, some days I can't get out of bed. Um, so it's tough that I lose that. I then lose that family time. Um, but it's, as you say, it's making the most of the time that you can have and that you do get. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not an easy thing to balance. Um, and you know, I try to do what I can, including, you know, crazy things like with all the spare time I have joining the PTA because yeah, that'll give back and do something for my kids. Right. And I've got time to do that apparently. Um, <laughs> Wait, what, what? you're a busier man than me. How have you, how have you fit in that as well? Oh mate. Well, listen. T tell me, tell me. Last one. What, what does the future hold for for Martin Lepard? You do know it's Lepard, right? You you always do that. I'm sure you do it just to jab at me every month. Every month, I'm sure you do it. It's down to Jim as well. I know. Don't worry. Um, in all honesty, I have no idea. Um, it's been very hard. I mean, it's always is very hard to plan, and we always, you know, strategize and things. But I, I couldn't have told you eighteen months ago that I would have half the clients that we currently have. You know, rolling off to you names like TikTok, Spotify. I would have never imagined in a million years I'd be doing that. But then again, half the stuff we've done in the last twenty years, I'd never imagined we'd do. So I'm just kind of, you know. What does the future hold? I hope it's um, as it continues being what it has been uh, and keeps on getting better. That's all I can hope for. Love that. Sounds good, mate. Sounds good. You keep, look, keep putting on great shows like this. What, what, what are we going to do next year? 48 hours? <laughs> it's less of a bind on me than it is on you. Mate, let me... <laughs> Let me let you. Let, let me let you, you put know it out that. there now. It's on the internet. It lasts forever. <laughs> let me let you know that at half past twelve this afternoon, tomorrow, tomorrow <laughs> afternoon, wherever we are. Anyway, mate, quick fire questions. Let's finish up. What one piece of advice do you give to your eighteen-year-old self? Stay the course. Stay the course. It's going to be tough. There's going to be things that are going to test you. There's going to be surprises and curveballs, and it is going to get really hard. But stay the course. I think there's one one mantra that I kind of repeat to myself is that if it was easy, everyone would do it. So stay the course. Love that. Who has been your biggest inspiration through your life and why? Um. I think, as I've mentioned a couple of times, uh, I think it's my dad. Um, having watched how driven and dedicated he was to his work, having seen him working, um, and bizarre enough to say, having employed him a few times, um, <laughs> seeing seeing how respected he was at work, how he commanded, you know, what he did, and how he was he would do every job. You know, watching him at the club, he would do everything from restocking the bars and this and the other to running the place. Um, and, okay, nightclubs are a very different beast now, but seeing how not only respected and sort of how he could command his staff, but how respected he was by all the guests and how he would get, you know, he was so, I mean, he's still, <laughs> I think, what uh, what does the future hold? I think I would like to, to finally have my kids... Um, I have forever grown up and met people and meet new clients and trying to network with people. And it's usually nine times out of 10, it's the same thing. Leopard, you feel son. Because <laughs> everyone knows my dad. My dad's worked with so many people and knows so many people. And all I can hope is in 20 years time, my kids are working and starting to introduce her. Are you Martin's boy? 
um, <laughs> that's all I can hope for. Yeah, I just having seen you know what he's done and just seen his you know his his work attitude and his work ethic and just how he drives and it was you know it, it was all for us at the end of the day. So yeah, I think my dad. Love that. Could you recommend pod, a podcast or a book um, that's had an impact on you? No, because I'm useless at reading and listening to podcasts, um, unless you count The Office Ladies or it's only, it's only in Philadelphia. Um, one, you know what? The biggest thing that had a, an impact on me um, of late, and it was probably a few years ago now, but was actually, um, it was a piece on uh, comic relief. And I was, um, story for another day, but yeah, still uh, recovering after um well, still dealing or coming to terms with um, becoming disabled and challenges and um, new hurdles and having given up a lot of things that I used to do and just sort of being in this free fall of what on earth am I going to do? And I was watching Comic Relief and particularly watching this um, group of disabled kids who were doing a bike ride from Land's End to John O'Groats. And these were people with far worse physical disabilities than I've got. And I was sitting there watching thinking, well, if they can do that, there's plenty I can do. Um, and then from there, you know, watch that. And that night I decided, right, okay, I'm going to do a 5K color run um, on crutches. <laughs> um, and then from there, uh, it became wheelchair racing, which became wheelchair triathlons to, yeah, sky was the limit. But yeah, it was that. I think it's, I think there's a lot to be said for finding, um, inspiration in some of the most unlikely places love that love that right finally what is your one rule for living a fulfilled life one rule for living a fulfilled life um i did make some notes and i don't really know as i say i think it's if if it's if it was easy everyone would do it um and enjoying enjoying the ups when you can and making the most of them i think mate awesome thank you so much mate listen for not just jumping on and, and and having a conversation with me but for sharing my vision when i first come to you with this and and actually making it a reality because without you it wouldn't be a reality so i'm i'm humbled and grateful for for your support mate it's been been brilliant and you and the team that what you've created is is smashed it out of the park and um and i, I can't thank you enough honestly more than happy to help as i said big big fan of what you're doing big fans of the rocking horse and um i'm going to take the opportunity to thank lloyd and particularly damon who's been who's been there with you <laughs> just about with me with me voice he's going he's going yeah i'll send it out to get you some pretzels <laughs> mate look and as they say that is a wrap Thank you, sir. Have a safe trip back and I'll, I'll catch you when you get back, buddy. This is the Cat Business Talks podcast produced by H2 Productions.